last week, in the last section that we studied, that we are complete in Him. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means everything we need to stand complete before God, we have in Jesus Christ. The Colossians had been told that they were not complete in Christ. For some false teachers had crept in, and we'll deal with this through the remainder of the book, some false teachers had crept in, crept in and told them that if they wanted to be complete before God, yes, they could believe in Jesus Christ, but some say they had to be circumcised. That's why he brings up circumcision. That some needed to be circumcised. They also said that they needed to keep the law. You can believe in Jesus, but you have to keep the law. And Paul takes issue with that. There were even some weird, and we later will learn in the book that Gnosticism, this teaching that was going on, they had to have a special knowledge so that they could pass from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. All of which is not true. Paul writes them to assure them that all they needed to stand complete before God was in Christ Jesus. A lot of Christians don't understand this. A lot of Christians have a lot of baggage. A lot of Christians worry one day to the next day where they stand with God. And talking about positionally where you stand with God was settled on the cross of Jesus Christ. The moment you and I believed in Jesus, we became in right standing with God. The humanity of us says, I've got to do something for my salvation. I've got to do something to be in right standing before God. Those who oppose this teaching say, well, you're teaching that you can just pray a prayer and say that you're complete in Christ and do whatever you want. That's never taught in the Scriptures. Paul never teaches that. We've never taught that here. But I will tell you this. If you are counting on what you can do for the Lord to have good standing before Him, you will fail miserably. Because it's not what we do for Him, it's what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's what Paul wants these believers to see. This is what Paul wants them to see. So what has Jesus done for us to make us complete before God? Would you look with me in the Scriptures? Look at verse 11. In Him, in Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Number one, we have been made complete because we have been circumcised in Him. Now you know what the Old Testament physical circumcision was all about. It was a covenant. And identified men in the Old Testament with Abraham and the covenant Abraham made with God. It was an identification. That was the physical circumcision that's talked of in the Scriptures. It meant that they were consecrated to God. They were set aside for God. But ironically, if you only the men who were circumcised, uh, for obvious reasons. Number two, <laughs> let me move on from there. What he is talking about, we're going, to, we're going on from there. Let's move it right along. I had some bad things going through my head. He's talking about spiritual circumcision. For instance, let me show you, in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 16, Bryce has it for me, he'll pull it up quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 16 says this, Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart, if necked no longer. What he is talking about is the circumcision of 
the heart. Not the physical, but the spiritual. How do I know that? Well, Galatians 6.15 tells us that circumcision avails nothing. It profits you nothing. So why would he say this? He's talking about physical circumcision. Profits the New Testament believer nothing when it comes to spirituality. So that lets us know that it has to be a spiritual circumcision, which means we are consecrated to God. Our hearts are circumcised without hands. When you and I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ... Our hearts were circumcised. In Romans chapter 2, verse 25, uh, Brother Bryce is going to pull that up for me. I want you to see this. Paul lays it out. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So let me just say this. If you think that you can keep the law and your circumcision is based on the physical keeping of the law, you're done for. You're counted as uncircumcision. Uncircumcised, why? Because no one can keep the law. So we go to the next one. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? What's he saying? If an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, he will be counted as circumcised. Go to the next verse, please. Verse 27. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? Now watch this, verse 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Next verse, please. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, not in the law, whose praise is not from men, but from God. It is clear that the New Testament concept of circumcision is not physical, it's spiritual, it's made without hands, and it's what Christ does in our heart the moment we believe. Our hearts are circumcised by faith. By faith. By faith, Jesus Christ has made us right with God. Because we believed, we have been a complete standing before God. We are complete in Christ. And this is so important because so many Christians are so defeated and they've brought themselves back under the law and they're trying to begin in the Spirit and they're trying to finish in the flesh and it just is not possible. When we believed in Jesus and His death, burial, and resurrection, He circumcised our heart by His Spirit. Not with hands, by His Spirit. And so therefore, we are complete in Christ because we have been spiritually circumcised in Christ. That's what verse 11 says. Notice verse 12. The second reason we stand complete in Him is we have been made complete because we have been baptized into Christ. Notice this, verse 12. Buried with Him in baptism in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. Now this is a spiritual baptism. This is not a physical baptism. He's talking about a spiritual baptism. This is real baptism, not ritual. When I baptize someone up here in this, this baptistry, they are identifying with the world that they believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a symbol. It's is not the same as spiritual baptism. What is spiritual baptism? 
Spiritual baptism is the moment when we believe we are placed into the family of God. Jesus Christ and His death and burial and resurrection, we are immediately linked to that. When we are spiritually baptized, when we come by faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are immediately linked to Jesus Christ's death, His burial, and His resurrection. And we stand before God, not on our not on intelligence, not on our ability, but we stand on the precious blood of Jesus Christ. How? He says, through faith. Through faith, when you believe, you are immediately identified with Christ. There's no pause, there's no probationary period. You're either in Christ or you're not. And when you're in Christ, you are immediately identified with Him, and God no longer looks at you at the merits of yourself. He looks at you based on the work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'll say it. Because I know if it was based on me, I would fail, and you would too. Paul makes it clear. We're complete in Him because we've been circumcised, and only we've been circumcised into Christ Jesus and then he says verse 13 and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiving forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. Number three, we have been made complete because we have been made alive in Christ Jesus. To understand this, you have to understand two things. The first thing you have to understand in this text is he is describing what we were previously were. Notice this, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Dead in trespasses means that we deliberately broke God's commandments. That's what it literally means. A person that's ever lived that hasn't deliberately and willfully broken God's commandments. I look at my precious granddaughter and how beautiful she is and how perfect she is, but I will tell you this, when she grows up, she will tell a lie. And she will break God's law just like your kids did, just like my kids did, because they are born with a sin nature. And this, when he says that we are dead in our trespasses, it means that we deliberately... That was our past. And the second part of this says that we were continually dead in our uncircumcision, dead in our standing before God. Literally, we stood against God. Now listen to me. The person that's not do you know they are called an enemy of God? They might be moral people. They might be good people. I've had people tell me all the time, good people, they're just lost. Well, according to the Bible, the Bible says there is none good, no, not one. They might be moral, they might be nice people, but if they're not saved, they're an enemy. And a lot of people take issue with that. I didn't write it, I'm just reporting it. When he says they were uh, 
in their, uh, and you being dead, being is a continual action. It means continually dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. It literally means that we are dead and are standing before God. Literally, we are against God. But then he turns to the second aspect of this that is very important. He moves from talking about what we were previously, what I like to call B.C., before Christ. Amen? How many of you have a past before Christ, B.C.? When someone brings up my past, I say, hey, that was B.C. Every once in a while, someone will meet someone I grew up with in high school. And they'll say, so I said, now listen, whatever they tell you is B.C., that was before Christ. But the second part of this describes what Christ did for us. Look at this now. I don't know about you all, but I'm about to get all excited up in here. He is made alive together with Him, having, having, having forgiven you all trespasses. Man, do you understand that when He made us alive, it means that we've been joined? We have been joined to Christ. He has made us alive together with Him. You're no longer dead in your trespasses and sin. You're no longer in that state against God. Now you're with Him. You're on His side. You're in His family. Being made alive means we were joined to Christ. Having forgiven you all trespasses. All of our sins are forgiven. If we're going to be in a right relationship and right standing before God, all of our sins have to be forgiven. Why? Because Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. If we're made alive, then we have to be forgiven of those sins. People come to me and say, you know, 32 years ago I did this. Did you confess it to Christ? Yes. Did you repent of it? Yes. Well, then why are you bringing it up? Do you know that the Scripture says, God says, your sins will I remember no more? He doesn't say He can't remember your sins. He says He will not remember your sins. It's a declaration. When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, God so identifies you with the work of Christ that all of your sins are forgiven. Do you know that He died for you before you were even born? And He knew every sin you would ever commit, and He was willing to die for you, and He died for all those sins. The penalty has been paid. Your sins are wiped clean. Verse 14 says, Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You know, Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins are they will be white as snow. White as snow. When you believed on Jesus Christ, God so identifies you with the work of Christ that all your sins are forgiven. Now there are two aspects to this forgiveness. Number one, canceled the legal case against us. He has canceled the legal case against us. Verse 14 says, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements. There's a lot of debate on what the handwriting is. The handwriting here means the written law of God. Do you know that there are certain things in the Old that if the uh, nation of Israel, someone participated in it, they would owned. And then the scripture tells us that God has canceled the legal case against us because of what Jesus Christ has done 
in our behalf. Jesus canceled, he wiped out all of the law, not just erased it, but completely removed it. Remember when people used to use pencils? And the pencil had an eraser? That was cracking me up. You know, we talk about our government. and Our government spent like $3 billion trying to invent an ink pen. This is true, look it up. Trying to invent an ink pen that would write upside down in space. And the Russians took a pencil. Think about it. A number two pencil you can get at the Dollar Tree. When you erase something, and I was good at when I was growing up, <clears throat> and when you erase something, there's still a little trace of it, isn't there? If you hold the paper just right, you can see it. But if it's been wiped clean, you cannot have or see any trace of that. That's what Jesus Christ has done by dying on the cross for us, and our believing in Him has so identified us with Him, He has canceled out that legal case against us. Secondly, He has taken it out of the way. He has removed all sins of all time, and continually removes all sin, taking the requirement of the law and nailing it to the cross. When you believed in Jesus Christ for your salvation, He canceled the legal case against you and He took away all the requirements of the law. You don't have to serve the law to be saved. You believe in Jesus Christ and you become a new creation created in Christ Jesus. And you say, well, what happens when I sin? You and I confess our sin and we're cleansed of that sin is because Jesus died on the cross and He paid that penalty. So then when we do sin, confess that sin and we are forgiven instantly. Because of the death on the cross and removing the requirement of the law. And all because you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet, and we'll talk about this next week, yet we continue to put more burdens on people. You've got to do more. You've got to do more. You've got to do more. No, you don't. You've got to believe. You walk by faith. Listen, if everyone in here that's born again would just what God tells us to do, when He tells us to do it, and we do it by faith because we love Him, not because we're trying to keep the law, but because we are redeemed, because we belong to Him. If we would, we would serve Him on a day-to-day -day basis in the grocery store, at work, at wherever it is we are, if we would just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we would be used mightily of God. But it's sad to say that God doesn't use many Christians because they're still bringing themselves under bondage under the law. There are churches around the area that will not permit women in slacks in their church. If you watch some of their programs, see the women sitting up on the stage in short skirts, you'd wish they would have wore pants. I'm just throwing that out there for help, trying to help. And yet we argue over the stupidest things. One guy told me one time, he said, I don't like this contemporary music in church. I said, okay, why not? Well, it identifies with the world. Well, what kind of do you like? Southern gospel. Oh, it don't identify with country? I'm just confused here. One fellow told me at the other church we were in, he gave this big long thing on church and how they couldn't have any musical instruments, and he gets in his car and turns on WTCR and his country, and the guy propped me up against the jukebox when I die, I don't want to go to heaven, and you're telling me you're going to lecture me about contemporary Christian music that sings about Jesus Christ? Because we focus on us and not on Christ. What we do and not what Christ. I'm not sitting up here saying live however you want to live. You know better than that. 
I'm telling you, if Christ lives in you, you don't want to live. How do you live? Number four, we have been made complete because he has disarmed and made a spectacle of all the principalities and powers. Look at verse 15, I love this. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. There's a wonderful picture here. The principalities and powers has to do with Satan and his demons. He has disarmed them. And as one commentator says, has displayed them. In Roman culture, when a general captured an enemy, he stripped that enemy down and paraded them in front of all the people to humiliate them. Public spectacle out of them. That's the concept here that he's talking about. That's the concept behind the Greek word. By Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection, He both disarmed and made a spectacle of Satan and His demons. The only power, the only authority they have over you is what you allow them to have in the flesh. How do I know that? Because Jesus Christ has disarmed them. He has taken their power and their authority. But Christians keep giving power and authority back to them. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and is resurrected, because we trusted in Him, we have everything we need to stand complete before God. The devil can't change it. Nobody can change it. When we believed, we were circumcised in Him. We were baptized in Him. We were made alive in Him. And all the principalities and powers were disarmed and they have no authority of us. We stand before God complete in Christ Jesus. All the requirements of the law have been fulfilled in Christ. All of our debt is canceled. All of our sins are forgiven. And only in Christ do we have that. Next week he's going to say, so don't let anybody judge you on food or drink or on all these things. Paul tells the Galatians, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you in bringing you back to the law? That's been fulfilled. The debt is canceled. It's Christ. It's why we sing about Jesus. That's why we teach about That's why we share Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. And you and I can only be complete in our standing before God through Jesus Christ. And faith in Him. And if you believed in Him, you are a saint. And if you want to refer to yourself as Saint so-and-so, have at it. But I tell you this, could you imagine what could happen to the church of Jesus Christ? Could you imagine what could happen to us if we got a hold of this concept that it's not me, it's Christ in me, the hope of all glory? It's not what I do for Him, it's what He does through me myself to Him on a moment by moment or walking by faith and letting the Spirit lead me. Could you imagine what God could do in our country? I'm working on a sermon. Almost everyone I come into contact with has been out of shape over what's going on in the world. Do you know that the Bible tells us this is going to happen? And we think we can elect someone and it's going to change? I mean, that's the height of arrogancy. I'm just going to tell you this. You want to know why Donald Trump didn't get elected? I'll tell you why Donald Trump didn't get elected. The reason Donald Trump didn't get elected is because humans 
idolized him and made him like Jesus Christ. That's exactly why. You can say they cheated or whatever, I'm just telling you, and I'm not for or pro, I'm just telling you, I know who I voted for and I know why I voted, and I'm just telling you this though, people worship the man, and there will be no gods before me. And I'm telling you, as this days are coming, and it's getting worse and worse, and we're arguing over political stuff, let me tell you something, we're missing the opportunity to walk by faith and tell people about Jesus Christ, because we're only complete in Jesus Christ. Not one party or another. I will tell you this, they're all crooks. Why in the world would you subject yourself to that for $180,000 a year? There has to be something more there. Well, yeah. Follow the money. I'm just telling you this. And I want you to know this, that it's only in Christ Jesus. We preach Christ Jesus and Him crucified. He is the hope of all. He is the solution. And if you're in Him, you don't have to worry about the future. Your future is secure. You don't ever have to worry about him. You don't have to worry about the tribulation period. You don't have to worry about stuff. It's Jesus Christ and crucified. And you and I, when we believe in him, stand complete before him. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I'm going to leave here this morning saying, oh, what a Savior. Because we have a wonderful Savior. And Jesus Christ all of us. And those of us who have that is applied to our lives and we are complete in Him. Isn't that wonderful? When you and I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, I am not going to be in the streets of gold. That's nice. And the river of life. I, I, I love rivers. I love water. And I even kind of wondered if we'd be allowed to fish and what kind of magnificent fish we'd catch and all that stuff. But let me tell you, none of that stuff matters about heaven. You know what makes heaven heaven? Jesus. He will be the focus throughout eternity. We will bow before him. Ask John. John was on the Isle of Patmos, and when he saw the resurrected Christ, he did. He fell at his feet as though he were dead. Dead. There's no one like Jesus. There's never been anyone like Jesus. And you and I are complete in him. Jesus, there's no one like him. Would you bow with me for prayer?